Hello! Hey guys, it's Arden Cho. This is Seth Gilliam. Hey, this is Holland Roden. My name is Kiahu Kuhuanui. Hello, this is Ian Bowen. Hey you guys, this is Melissa Ponzio. I'm Lyndon Ashby. Hey, it's Ronnie Adams. This is Tyler Posey, and you are listening to Not Another. Not Another. Not Another. This is Not Another Team Wolf Podcast. Yes, it is! Oh! <laughs> this is Jeff Davis, and you're listening to Not Another Teen Wolf Podcast. Welcome to Not Another Team Wolf podcast, episode number 91. Today we are going to be talking about Lydia Martin. And uh, first and foremost, let's just get the contact information out of the way. You can find us on Twitter at NATW Podcast. You can email us at natwpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Tumblr at notanotherteamwolfpodcast.com. And you can find us on Instagram at natwpodcast. Uh, today I am Karen, of course, and I'm Karen every day, actually. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I am joined by Natalie and I'm also joined by Jack. Hi, Jack. Hello. Hi, Natalie. I guess I'll say hi to you too. Oh, hi. Hi, Natalie. Hi. Um, yeah, so we brought, we brought a friend today. We, we brought Jack because reasons. I mean, we didn't need reasons, but we have reasons. What are these reasons? I don't know if I've been told. I'm really scared, you guys. What are you doing? Well, for those who haven't met Jack um, on one of our other podcasts, Jack is part of the Hyperball podcasting community. If you're listening to Rewatchable, he's a current host there, um, and he was uh, an alumni of Glee Chat, an alumnus, sorry, was. to give the correct yeah, singular. No, you were an alumnus of Glee Chat, or do I say you are an alumnus because that means you used to be, Ooh. so that's a double negative. Glack Jack it's is an alumnus. Yeah, that's the thing, because alumnus, sorry, I'm being weird, <laughs> but is, it means someone who used to attend. So, yes, a, so saying was an alumnus is a double negative. You are an alumnus, singular, of <laughs> Glee Chat, which just ended this week basically forever but that's where we got jack jack used to be a listener and then we adopted him and now i passed him on to rewatchable (laughs) because i knew that he'd be good um we we sort of gave him but jack is like really good at remembering canon like really good at it really good at it and i'm really bad at it so i was like let's get jack on this episode to uh, because so I'm gonna because in case I forget things and feel silly that Jack will be able to have my back and he says that and I tested him I said Jack you're still into Teen Wolf right and he said yeah and gave some nonsense yeah. about Derek leaving Derek Derek's not actually leaving guys uh, but Man. then I was like who I was like okay who's your favorite character I didn't say do you like Lydia I said who's your favorite character because I was pretty sure. And he says, Lydia is my number one, like, all time. And I'm like, good, Jack, you're coming on this episode, basically. (laughs) Um, So that's where, you know, that's why he's here. Also, he's Australian as well, obviously, which doesn't really count for anything, except it might be 
funny for us to be blunt and weird together, as you may have heard on other shows. What did you say? (laughs) Yeah, I think we are quite blunt, aren't we? Yeah, probably. Um, I was just thinking about the way that Karen was doing that introduction. Sorry, Karen. Not that it was bad, but just that it sounded really, like, formal and professional. And, like, whenever, like, John introduces Glee Chat or other people introduce them, I feel like when I do an introduction for a show, it's really, like, much more, like, chatty and not, like, very professional sounding. So sorry about that. Maybe I should, like... Maybe I should no. let Karen do the introductions from now on. <laughs> well, it's because Rewatchable has trained me to be, like, super organized and very concise, and so it's kind of hard not to now. Oh, yeah. well, sorry, because I was probably casual on, too casual on Rewatchable no, as well. No, no, it's good. It's good. Um, Jack, right. where can people find you on the internet? Um, well, as opposed to Glee Chat, I'm on a podcast with Mitch, who is also on Hyperbull and is on a lot of podcasts. We do our own show called Radio 64, and it's about Nintendo, so if you just find that on iTunes, but also I'm, I am on Twitter at uh, Jack Farr, that's two Ks and two Rs, and I suppose that's it, really. I'm on Rewatchable, and I've been on here before, and I'm everywhere. <laughs> cool. I was also cool. just thinking that um, this is episode 91. We're getting so mm-hmm. close to 100, and we just did 100. Everyone's doing 100. Yeah. Yeah. Really intense. God. What are we going to do? We I have, have to no stop. Idea. We'll have to quit or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, naturally. We'll quit the at 99. Yeah, the pressure's too high. Um, I got 99 problems, but having 100 episodes <laughs> isn't one. Okay. Oh, Karen, you hate me so much. Oh. I love you so much. All right, let's jump into our Lydia discussion. So I'm going to um, kick this over to Jack first. How big of a fan of Lydia Martin are you? Well, as Natalie said, my first response to who is my favorite character was Lydia. She is my all-time favorite. Um, I just think she just has the most natural and the best progression and character development on the show, like straight from seasons one up to the end of season four. It's just been really good to watch. And side note, Holland Roden is the number one female I would turn straight for, just saying. So that definitely helps. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but no, I love Lydia. I think that everything about her is just so great and so natural. And I just love seeing how, how much she incorporates her friendships with people who she never would have even looked at in the past and how much that means to her now. And yeah, it's really great. Cool. Natalie, what about you? Yeah, I feel like that she sort of crept up on me. Like, I feel like that there was definitely something you started noticing earlier on about, you know, what she was sort of covering up and and, and the, the complexity of her. And I think during season two, I really started loving her. Season one, I was a bit like, what is this girl's beef? Like, yeah. I was kind of... I, I, very much, I very much enjoyed it when she started getting brought into the loop, obviously. But at first, I was kind of like, okay, this girl is, is you know, got some hang-ups and, and is she kind of – what I wanted was for her to get to, I guess, where she is now in terms of, like, you can tell that she's not being particularly real or whatever. And I really just was like, you're frustrating me with this. And then as soon as that did start happening, but especially during season two, um, I really started loving her. And then from now on, she's probably my favourite – of the females on the show. 
Um, I definitely, no offense, Allison liked her more than Allison, even though I love Allison and because, and I love the weapons that Allison gets to use and stuff like that and just lots of stuff about her. Um, I definitely liked Lydia more, even though she's sort of not my, what I'd say is like my type of girl or like, you know, who I'd expect to be friends with or something like that. I'd say she's now my number one favorite of the girls on the show. So, yeah. Cool. I'm excited. I think I'm probably just a step below where you are. Um, she's not my favorite character. I wouldn't even say she's one of my favorite female characters because I really like Kira a lot, and I'm really starting to like Malia a lot too. But just like I said on the Scott episode is that she's one of my favorite um, overall characters in terms of like like what you were saying, Jack, is how she progressed throughout the series because she's changed mm-hmm so much from season one and she's grown into such a beautiful and strong person and I really appreciate where they've taken her character so I definitely am a huge fan of Lydia and I can't wait to see her continue to grow as she has been because she's just turning out so cool yeah so speaking of season one um, let's talk about the Lydia that was, because she was a mean girl in season one, and those first few episodes especially, I just had zero sympathy for her, because she was, you know, she was popular, and she was dating the best athlete, and you could tell that she just wanted to be friends with Allison at first, because she was the new girl, and, you know, she was shiny and interesting, and... Uh, Lydia was very shallow, I think, at first, before we really got to know her. Um, So did you guys like her right away, or did it take you a little bit to warm up to her? I know, Natalie, you said that it took you till about season two. But, Jack, what about you? Yeah, it took me up until season two as well to really get into her, because in season one, until she really got bit by Peter and, and the very end of it, it seemed like she was just a really minor character and that she barely was really adding anything to the show. I know that sort of in this, in the school episode, the, um, so the night when at the, the school at night, she was definitely part of the game, but it still felt like that she was really on the outside in terms of not even a main character. So just by the time that she got bitten and really got into the fold, I thought, Oh damn, she's definitely in, in, in the game now. So yeah, it definitely did take me a bit as well, but I love that in shows though, how, there's a minor character who you don't think is going to really play anything in the in the in the game, and then they really do have a huge impact. I think that's really cool. So I love how they did that with Lydia. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree with that in terms of um, the the build up. I guess like of I think that a lot of the characters, I, you know, I, I like when a show doesn't go here. Here are seven people, and all of them are equally important, and they're going to be the main characters for the whole show. I really like like the growth of people and obviously she was hired on as a, you know, a regular. So, you know, they had the plan for her, but I like that, you know, even though she's hired on as a main character, you only see it come in in little bits, um, like basically until she earns it kind of until the character herself, you know, is brought into the, the world and all of that kind of thing. Um, I think that that's a really interesting way of, of doing the show as opposed to just like, look, here's the eight characters that we'll be following. It's kind of like, you don't know who or what's going to be, important and then it makes it sort of interesting to rewatch and like catch the bits uh from the past basically when maybe you weren't paying as much attention to someone who ended up being really important well, i was gonna say that's what i love about team wolf as well is that you it, that what you just said natalie it just 
you don't know what to expect with the show. Like anyone could be a main player in the game, and you just have no idea. And I think a good yeah. oh, now, now I'm showing my brain with the show. And I think a good example of that is if this is in three season three A is when um, Danny does his little essay on the currents in in Beacon Hills, and you sort of know Danny's around, but you didn't know that he you don't know what he knows yet. And I think that mm-hmm. that is a good example of just minor characters that are. Uh, uh, you know, in the game, but not a lot, but they really are. And yeah. Well, I was just gonna um, go off of what Natalie said about her earning um, her character and being, you know, a main player on the show because at first she really dumbs herself down. And um, there's this one line that she sort of goes, "A cougar is a mountain lion, right?" And you can tell, like, she knew the answer to that, but she purposely dumbs herself down in order to. Um, I guess I always kind of took it as not intimidate Jackson and to sort yeah, of yeah, make him yeah, more comfortable and, and not have him run away because, oh, you know, she's beautiful and she's smart. That's just too much for me. And um, I think it's really important that they did that at first. I think that was – I don't know if I've ever really seen that done on a show. Like, it might have been done in teen movies and stuff that I can think of, but the, the fact that we got the message pretty quickly that Lydia was super, super, like, crazy genius smart – um, and, you know, she might have not been holding back in her tests and stuff like that, but, like, when she was in conversation and what she chose to talk about and what she chose to show the world, um, that we have seen someone really, I guess, hide that, like, in order to, you know, as a manipulative tool, basically, which I thought, I'm not sure I've really seen that happen before, and I did enjoy that. But, yeah, I got the same message about Jackson, that it was definitely because he didn't know you know, what she had up her sleeve or, or, and she wanted the sort of, I guess the prestige and that being too smart, isn't too cool and stuff like that. Where do you think she gets that, gets that mentality from? Because from what we know of her home life, like her mum seems very confident and very strong. So I don't, don't really know where Lydia gets this sort of mentality that just because she's pretty means that she can't be smart and she has to hide her abilities. I don't I don't really know. Does that know. ever get answered? Or? I feel like it might – well, I feel like two things, Jack. I feel like two things with that. One of them being that she taught it to herself. The other being that I feel like her parents are only recently divorced. I feel like from what we've seen in the, um, the parent-teacher conference and maybe just little bits of canon with the, the mother and stuff – that they, they're divorced, but they haven't been divorced for that long. So I feel like if that's the case, maybe her mother was doing similar things her whole life, but once she got divorced, um, she also sort of came into herself, if you know what I mean, or stopped hiding it. Um, so yeah. I don't know. But that's sort of – I don't know how necessarily true that is but I feel like there was something to imply that they had a recent divorce that would possibly be an answer to that I suppose the only things we know a lot about her parents is in start of season two when they're both in the hospital and we see her dad there as well which I think it's the only time we see her dad and then her mum and Derek uh, not Derek her mum and Peter also are sort of flirting a bit in the school and like as a three or four so I don't know maybe mm. I, I think that I think it's in the pit the parent-teacher conference as well that they're divorced, like they're kind of bickering and divorced. So I'm, I'm not sure. Oh yeah, but... yeah. Karen, 
And I'm not entirely sure that um, her attitude in terms of like having to dumb herself down really has anything to do with her parents, because I think you're right, Jack, like her mom is very confident. And obviously, I think she really looks up to her mom. Um, I'm not sure. And her mom's a teacher. So obviously, she's going to be very smart. So I think it has more to do with maybe the school system, because that's just how it tends to be. Like, I got really good grades in, in school, and I was definitely not popular. And there was a lot of really popular people who just sucked at school. And I kind of think it's that conformity. And um, one of the reasons why Lydia is so cool is because at first it's very obvious how much she's conforming to those standards. And yet throughout the series, she just starts breaking all kinds of stereotypes. Mm. Yeah. Um, the, just to go back to the mother as well, I feel like when we when she's introduced, like we don't really know that much about their relationship and what the influence might have been. But her mother's obviously a teacher, you know, can't be looked down upon too much for being smart there. But also when she's introduced, like Lydia and her have that kind of bitchy exchange about like her shoes, like her mum wearing the the shoes to class. And I don't know, their dynamic has always interested me in terms of like how they act to each other, whether they have always gotten along or whether them sort of being catty to each other as a joke has always been like how they got along or if it used to be real and they've only started getting along. And I don't know, it it interests me. So I I do hope, you know, just as a side note that we see more of Mrs. Martin, Natalie Martin, FYI. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so that'll, that'll be good. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Now I originally put this next line in here as a part of that whole dumbing herself down thing. But I think Brooke put it in here as sort of changing it about being sexually passive. And um, see, Natalie was picking on me about this line. (laughs) I wasn't picking on you. You were too. Yeah, thanks. Um, So anyway, it's when Lydia says. We Jack say it. (laughs) Jack, do you want to say it? (laughs) No, I think Karen, you have to. Yeah, I do now. Um, okay. <laughs> serious, guys. Serious discussion. Uh, it's, when Lydia... it's when Lydia says, trust me, I do plenty of sucking for his benefit. And go ahead, giggle. <laughs> um, the emphasis on the sucking. Oh <laughs> well, there should be. Okay, so uh, <laughs> Brooke says... <laughs> That um, this is when she's being sexually passive. And I actually never thought of it this way because later on in the series, she's very confident in her sexuality. And a lot of people praise Lydia and Teen Wolf for her confidence and for not hiding that about herself. Um, But this line always sort of popped out to me, too, in terms of like just proof. I mean, she basically tells us to Allison that um, she makes herself dumber for Jackson's benefit. You know, it, it is, it's, it's true. And it sounds like that, um, cause they, they literally have that conversation. Like, you know, Allison calls out what she's doing and obviously the, you know, sexual euphemism is also lots of fun, but, um, but yeah, it does imply sort of on both things that she is, I guess, playing a part. And it just, it, it also just makes you so like, I guess, kind of amazed at how, much she wanted to keep Jackson it's like who was number one like we never really saw her competing with anyone like I know Jackson got kind of interested in Allison and that whole thing was weird but like before that 
Who is Lydia's, like, Queen Bee rival that she was, like, scared that she might lose Jackson to? Because I would have liked yeah. to see that. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, having even the um, sort of euphemism that, you know, girls in high school, um, you know, do stuff for their boyfriends that either they're not into or bored by or, you know, literally saying, like, just doing anything for you know, his benefit is is not not such a, a good good way to be, basically, and it is very different from what we see later. And we also know that Jackson and Lydia's, you know, relationship in private isn't necessarily as bad as they pretend it is on the surface, kind of, like, which is also mm. very strange. So, you know, it's like both of them, I think, Jackson and Lydia, um, when they were going out, were both playing the part of, like, we're the bitchy power couple and we kind of hate each other, but we're together because we're the best and stuff. But then we see them in private and they're so much like more intimate than that. And I guess showing that to the world would be like a vulnerability as well, that they have to be this, like, I don't care about anything, including the person I've chose to date. I've just picked them because they're the hottest, if you know what I mean. So (laughs) it's weird that people do that. So, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's, fairly realistic too especially in terms of you know the most popular kids in school so um yeah I would definitely agree with that now we really start seeing Lydia progress I think fairly early on in the series but it's very subtle and very slow the one scene that really sticks out to me in terms of when she kind of flips off that I'm dumbing myself down switch is when she makes the Molotov cocktails um during night school the episode night school And this, you know, she's just grabbing chemicals from the chem lab and putting things together. And you kind of realize, okay, she is way smarter than she was initially letting on. Yeah. And she's like, when has she practiced making a Molotov cocktail before? Or do you think she just read it in a book once and like remembers perfectly? That's what I think. Hey, at least she did it in the end, though. And, And I'm glad that she, in that episode, she wasn't so sort of... Uh, arrogant to still not show well, I guess arrogance not the right word but still so guarded to, to show her her intelligence and that she, she was her life was in danger her friends were in danger so she actually you know made herself vulnerable to protect everyone at least she did it then yeah I mean I, su- I suppose so but yeah it is definitely like I think that's the first time that Jackson is like what the hell is going on because he's there <laughs> at that point being pathetic isn't he like oh I love him uh, but yeah it's I don't know. I remember being very impressed by that, at least. The Molotov cocktail was just like, oh, yeah, cool, good. You go, girl. Um, So, yeah, I think that she's very... um, I love that episode. I I know. Me too. Yeah, I I think she's very dangerous, like, obviously in many ways. But I think that, you know, she is one of the sort of more dangerous and ruthless people on the show, despite not having any powers or, you know, the powers that she does end up having being not that useful slash not that defensive if you know what I mean they're they're a thing but they can't like you know it's not like claws and stuff um so yeah I don't know I liked that and I think that it was a really good way the whole because night school that was the first season Karen if I'm remembering correctly Mm -hmm. yes yeah I think that was again like I said like it's one of the way of kind of slowly like kind of showing the hand of a character that they know is going to be a lead, but that they're not, like, throwing everyone all in at once with, hey, this is everyone, this is what they can do, if you know what I mean. Um, it was, They took the whole season to really build up 
uh, the little bits of each character that they wanted as a lead. And like I said about earning it, I think that, that was like a really, obviously a really big moment. Um, and I just, I just like the structure. I like the structure of how they brought in what each character could do and was capable of. So I appreciated that. Yeah. And I love how well they do it as well. Like they really know how to use the subtle uh, acting and, and subtle <laughs> writing as well. Uh, and a good example yeah. of a show that doesn't do that is Glee, how Glee in the first few seasons, <laughs> the, the actors would sort of portray, behave, like have behavioural traits of how they thought the characters would be, and then that never came to play, and it gave fans, like, miss, um, they like they misinterpreted the the characters, but I'm glad that Team Wolf did it really well, especially with Lydia, in terms of what, what we were mm-hmm. meant to believe is what we were meant to believe, you know? Yeah, because it's, it's quite hard to do that. Like, it's quite hard to, like, be like, okay, this is going to be my lead, but I'm only going to put them in, like, you know, five minutes of this episode or whatever. Like, you know, it, to to know that and then have the patience, I guess, to drag it out. Uh, whereas I think the Glee writers, like Jack said, had no patience at all in terms of, of, of no. the characters. They would just slam stuff in when they wanted and that was it. But, um yeah, I would say yeah, hey, that... Five, five seasons in, we're still, like, not even sure exactly what Lydia can do, which I, which I think is quite incredible. Like, yeah, think, I think I, it... think that we would already know exactly what a Banshee can do, but no, we're still learning, which is which is good in a way. Like, at least we're still learning stuff, and it never gets not interesting, so... I think that it talks... Yeah, I, I think that it is, as I said, a real example of patience to have... Like, because they know, like, they know what, you know, at least Jeff would know what he wants Lydia to do eventually. And it's it's very patient and it's also very brave because you don't know exactly, especially with this show, like an MTV scripted show has never been so successful before. People expected it to only no. get one season, then two seasons, then, you know, three seasons. And so it's pretty brave to not basically show your whole hand as soon as possible with the fear of getting cancelled or, or something like that. Like he, they must know exactly what they want from all of those characters. They haven't revealed things from, um, but they're still dragging it out. And I am personally not bored, but like, I know other people, you know, might not like that, but I do like that. I think that that's, it shows that they really care about the story they're telling rather than just slamming stuff in because they're impatient or scared or catering to fans and stuff like that. Exactly. I, I appreciate that as well. They have the um the confidence to do it like that. Makes it mm. good and different TV. And yeah. Lydia getting bitten by Peter was the game changer, really, because at first we thought, okay, this is Lydia. We know who she is. She's the mean girl, and okay, she's, you know, a little bit more than she seems to be. But when, when she's bitten by Peter, and once we transition into season two, when we realize that she's not a werewolf, but she's something else, that's when, for me, and I probably for a lot of people, Lydia really caught my attention. Uh, And she just, she had a lot more layers at this point because, you know, a little less of the mean girl was showing. And we had this whole situation with Peter having died and yet she's having hallucinations of him when he was younger and she's losing her sanity a little bit. And I think that that shows a lot of vulnerability on her part uh, that maybe not everyone else saw, but we definitely did. And that made me relate to her a lot more. Remind me one of you two, because apparently this is something that I am failing to remember. 
why did she get bitten by Peter? I think she was just on the field um, looking for someone, wasn't she? And then Peter was for looking Jackson. for someone else. And yeah. Was it just like, a, a, but I don't think it was a random attack. Like, I think it was something to do with he did it on purpose because of what no, she had to do, I think, well, to do later. I think that it I had think to was... do with Styles because he was holding that over Styles' head and Styles was to help him track down Scott. But I also think, like, it was also a little bit like she was just there and Peter's a dick, so then Peter went and bit her. But, in, <laughs> but, 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 when, but when Peter claims that, like, he... <laughs> when when Peter claims that he, like, brought out the powers and, like, if, if he's, like, you're saying that he did it on purpose, I don't think he did. I think he's just, like, taking credit for it. But he didn't mean he's to. He had, I don't think Sue, he had any idea. that doing a Sue Sylvester, Jack. Doing a Sue Sylvester, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think he. I don't think he had any idea that Lydia had like these banshee powers. He's just taking credit for maybe, it because he's like that. Once he maybe once he bit her, he like knew that she had something going on, and then led to him being like, "You are going to be the one to bring me back from the grave or whatever." So oh, for sure, yeah. I don't, like, like I don't know. It's, like if, I, if he dies, then he knows that she can bring him back. I don't think it was like that at all. Yeah. I'm still really, I don't know, Karen, what do you think? Like, did he bite, like, did he pick her on purpose? Like, he definitely implies it. Yeah, he definitely implies it. Um, you know, he doesn't even imply it. Like, he says that. And I I want to believe that, but the thing is, I don't know how that works. I mean, we don't know how exactly he knew that she was a banshee. We don't know how he knew she was going to be able to do that in the first place. I mean, she, he bites her and all of a sudden she's having these hallucinations and she's in those fugue states and she eventually brings him back when she's in one of those states. And I mean, Peter is a smart guy, but I don't understand how he could know to pull all of those strings. Mm. Yeah. I don't know either. He's mm, Peter and Lydia, man. That is a that is a, an interesting um, situation, I suppose you <laughs> you might want to call it. Right through the whole show, um, and yeah, I don't know. It, the the young die. Peter. He needs to die. <laughs> don't be mean. Um, <laughs> no, he can't. He, he's he been alive for too long. He's kind of terrible. I agree. But he's very interesting, and I don't, I, I don't totally have like empathy for him. But I feel like a lot of like what has happened with him has been sort of confusing more than anything. And I don't know. They they need to decide like what is going on with him. They need to. I like. I, I feel they, like they I think have, they have decided. I, I think they have. Yeah. I think they have, but like even like this isn't like Peter character analysis. But even with him being the benefactor, he didn't know it wasn't his evil plan. It was his like delusions. It wasn't conscious. So it's a bit difficult to um, make that call. But I don't know, Peter. Peter, come on, show your hand. But um, young Peter with Lydia obviously was very um, kind of creepy. Um, and I don't know. I, I really need to rewatch that to sort of see if there's any more clues about how that all worked now that we sort of know about her powers, I suppose. Like, um, because obviously we didn't know that she was a banshee. We just knew that she had some supernatural thing that people expected was connected to death. 
Um, and that, you know, lots of people were getting, it was making her feel like crazy and Jackson all angry that she got the powers and that he was only a lizard and like, you know, <laughs> all of that. <laughs> what? It's true. It's just funny. Um, um, so yeah, I don't know. Season two was obviously pretty big for, um, for her, but I really want to go and watch that stuff with the knowledge of what we now know that she can do, even though she doesn't have that much control over it. Um, have you kind of given that, I guess, any thought, Karen, um, about how that all worked now that we sort of know what she is? In terms of, like, Peter and Lydia and... Yeah, in t- well, in terms of just season two in general and what she was experiencing then, including Peter. I mean, I I always saw that, and I think I still do now, as more of a consequence of what Peter did to her rather than her being a banshee because we've seen her banshee powers now we know sort of how they operate and i guess she does tend to show up in places without realizing it and so she does sort of like go into those fugue states more often but um i think season two was very much her being the puppet of peter and her powers weren't quite developed yet yeah, um, I mean, there was there was definitely that, um, you know, they, there's definitely sort of similarity in the, the fugue states in that, you know, she now, like, you know, does something like she doesn't realise that her car directions aren't real and that it's just actually her own banshee powers taking her to the, you know, scene of something she needs to do and stuff. So, I don't know, season two is one I am really interested in revisiting at some point quite soon, actually, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's still not, like, in the circle about knowing about the werewolves and all of that kind of stuff at, at that point, really. Right, until the finale, and then we get into season three, which is actually my favorite season for Lydia. Um, and I think that's because she's she knows everything now, and she's starting to deal with her powers. They're still very mysterious, and it isn't until Jennifer tells her that she finds out and that we find out that she is indeed mm-hmm. a banshee. Um, but her dealing with those powers beforehand was one of the most interesting things about season 3A. And 3A had a lot going on, but that sort of mysterious part of Lydia just not knowing what the heck is going on with her, and yet we know that she is something else, I think really drove the story forward. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, that reveal from Jennifer was kind of the climax, I guess, of what people had been suspecting but um i don't know it's it it still was quite i I assume shocking for for her um but it does sort of start turning the corner from her from being like traumatized to kind of um not accepting exactly but like her you know her true sort of analytical like logical i guess personality coming out being like right what is going on how am i going to use this because like she said, you know, to Alison, and I can't remember if this was season two or season three, but, you know, for a long time she thought she was literally going crazy or, like, that she was, like, the crazy girl that people were laughing at and stuff like that. And I really love that moment in, you know, in season two where she comes back in the, the school, like, after, you know, with Alison, like, you know, being all, like, screw you guys, basically, to all the people that were, like, town crazy girl. Um, so I really love that. But... um. But yeah. once she find it, sort of knows what she is, um, you know, her her own confidence is able to kick back in, even if she's super freaked out. 
and be like, oh, cool, I'm not crazy. So that was really good, I think. <laughs> yeah, and I love that in season three when she has the scars on her neck and she, and she doesn't, like, as it says here in the doc, like, she doesn't want to hide it. Like, she's proud to show that she survived that attack, really. And I think that's a huge step, yeah. a huge um, difference back from season one where she was very concerned about her appearance and what people thought of her. And now she just doesn't care and she's got this ability and what does she need to do to help? I, I love that. That is far yeah. and away my favorite Lydia scene for so many reasons. But you really hit the nail on the head because she's not afraid to show people. And think right back to season two when she was going a little bit crazy. And yet she kept that Queen Bee persona around her at all times. And she wouldn't tell anybody what was wrong with her. And yet here she is with something that, you know, is easy enough to cover up it with some makeup. And her mother practically you know starts doing it for her and she's like no I survived I want to show this and it just goes to show you that Lydia has realized that what's on the surface doesn't matter or sometimes it does matter and that shows who you are on the inside and I think that as much as we got you know some game-changing stuff at the end of season one and even in season two this was the beginning of Lydia that we would see in 3B, in 4, and that we'll continue to see in 5. Yeah, um, yeah sure. though she obviously was, you know, pretty freaked out about, you know, the tree drawing and the showing up with the uh, the body, you know, wherever a body was and all of that kind of horrible nonsense. I don't know, like with Jennifer and the, um, the, the strangling moment, yeah, it just, it is kind of one of those moments of like the difference between being I don't know I don't I don't want to say cool because it's not like cool that she got strangled but like the way that she was sort of present presenting herself as powerful in season one and two in terms of her idea of what powerful meant um as the queen bee of a high school not knowing about werewolves and banshees and stuff versus now what she knows powerful can mean if that makes sense, um, and that her doing this is sort of more powerful, you know, in, in the real world and basically more of a, a show of pride and confidence and and power than, you know, the stuff that she was concerned with before. I, I don't know if that's putting it very well, but that's the best way I can sort of phrase it. Well, she just doesn't really care about popularity, like, anymore at all. Think, too, in season four when they have the house party um, and she's so concerned about the house if he's going to trash things and so concerned about what's, everything else is going on. Whereas back in season one, she would have loved to have been the star of the party, you know? Yeah, so. I mean, I think I think it's a really sort of metaphorical example of, like, why high school nonsense is bullshit, basically. Like, it's, like, you know, told through the story of werewolves, it's kind of a, a metaphor for, like, having bigger problems, obviously. Like, many, many, of, the, many of the show is, but... But with Lydia and her um, sort of turnaround, um, it's sort of this example of like, yeah, I am so not fussed with all of this stuff that used to make me feel like I was like powerful because, wow, it's actually all just a load of crap when it comes to actually what the re- is going on in the real world. And, you know, that that is an interesting metaphor to be told through the medium of werewolves, but I think that it is a really, really big part of what Lydia sort of represents. Yeah. And then going back to what I was saying in season one in terms of her sexuality and the fact that she 
um, she's proud of who she is and she doesn't have to hide it, is that, you know, obviously she hooks up with Aiden in 3A and he's a werewolf and she she doesn't care about that sort of thing. She just wants to be happy and she sort of owns her body and what she does with it. But more than that is I always remember how she holds Scott's hand during the concert in 3A. And that scene is so amazing because, I mean, she was making out with Scott in season one because suddenly he was the better lacrosse player and she had to have the best. You know, there's no, I mean, I guess you could argue that perhaps there was a romantic thing there. Um, I know some people ship it, but for me, it was very platonic and it was just a reassurance. And for Lydia to do that, back in season one would have been way out of character, but here, um, you know, it just makes so much sense. Definitely. I agree a hundred percent that, that set, well, that episode, the girl who knew too much in season three is my favorite team of episode, mainly for a lot of Lydia we get in it, but I agree a hundred percent. It was very platonic. It was just, you know, these guys are in the pack basically. And Lydia trusts Scott and it's just a nice little confidence, like reassurance, you know, they have each other. They're there to, they're there for each other, but only as friends, and that's it. And I just, I love seeing friends. We don't get enough of this. We don't get enough of the just the guy and the girl being friends with no romantic um, inclinations present. And that's what I love about Scott and Lydia. Yeah, I I can go both ways there. I can definitely. I don't see that scene as in any way romantic. I can, but I can definitely see them having. Uh, kind of an understanding and support that would possibly eventually lead to romance at some point at the end of the day. Maybe if they're the only ones left alive or something. But um, <laughs> which phase is probably going to happen? <laughs> uh, but that being said, no, I also see it in that way, and I, I, yeah, I really loved that that scene, that episode um, in general as well. Um, I thought that it was really big. But then going to Aiden as well, I really loved what was sort of um, assured with her in her relationship with Aiden, where she basically, like, compared to Jackson, um, just got to, I guess, just have the fun that she wanted to and be the the boss of him and have someone who kind of enjoyed that from her rather than, you know, the weird, like, competitiveness that her and Jackson had together, I suppose. And I really enjoyed the development of the relationship with Aiden as well as a kind of romance slash affirmation type thing um, Mm. in season three, um, which obviously in season four got, you know, and three B got a bit more, more dramatic, but I I liked it. It was fun. So I I was really glad for her compared to the weirdness with Jackson. I don't remember if this was in season 3A or 3B, but I love that scene when she's saying to Aiden, you're one of the bad guys and I don't want to be associated with the bad guys anymore. And that was just so powerful to me. Like she's putting her friends and herself first. And yeah, yeah that was great. Yeah, I think that was it's in season 3B when the twins come back. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is a good segue into 3B because I want to talk about styles for a little bit because obviously in season one, she didn't even know who styles was season two. She's aware and she starts to um, get a little closer with him. But by the time we hit season three B, they're very close friends. They continue to work together. And while obviously there's always going to be a little, you know, 
a little bit of romance kind of underlying their every interaction because of how Styles feels about her. It doesn't need to be that way. And their friendship, I think, is one of the, the best things about both characters uh, because it progressed so naturally and because even though Styles did or does still have feelings for her and she doesn't necessarily feel the same way, um, they can still interact and it can still be, you know, completely normal. Yeah, with with Styles and Lydia for me, I honestly, I used to ship them, like it was the one ship I, I followed so hard in, in the show. But the, looking back, I don't, I don't ship them anymore. But looking back on it, I realized the re- all the reasons why I shipped them were all the reasons why I shipped them as friends, you know? It was all the reasons why I loved them just as, as friends and how their friendship has developed from, from season one. And I would like to see Styles and Lydia sort of get together in the end, but only because I know that they have sort of, you know, like, I think it would be quite unhealthy if they were to get together just based on Styles' like, obsession with Lydia. Yeah, yeah, but now yeah. He's, we've but, talked but, about this so much. Yeah. yeah, I remember you guys talking about it. And, like, and he has now gotten over that, and now they are just really good friends. And now if anything was to happen in the future, I think it would be really healthy and natural just because of the friendship they have developed and then what more could come from that. And if not, that's fine. I just love seeing them as friends. It's just so great. Yeah. I mean, we've said this before, but, you know, I say it again in case anyone's tuning in for the first time. Yeah, that style, you know, that Styles. You know, Styles and Lydia, you know, at first is obviously a, a crush on one side and um, based on like, you know, and you kind of see little bits of like, oh, he pays attention to her and he knows that she's smart and stuff compared to Jackson, which is still like whatever. Like um, it, it was it, he, her just being like, oh, this guy really likes me and gets me. I guess I'll end up with him. would still be a bit of a like a weird like reward situation for styles kind of having a crush from afar rather than them really knowing each other. And I think for them to get, I I don't even know if styles like has, I think he has care for her, but I don't know if he like feels romantically towards her right now. And I think that if they ever did in the future, that it would be not even related to styles initial crush on her, that it would be like them growing together as partners um, and basically, you know, the most important person in each other's lives and really close friends and understanding what each other have been through and the very deep care and maybe getting to a point of being like, oh, I can't live without you, if you know what I mean. And I like, and it would be very equal and it wouldn't really be in any way tied to the fact that like Styles used to have a crush on her when he was like 14, you know? I think that it would be a totally um, different ball game and very plausible one, but there is still always little hints of it. Like even when he um when Lydia kisses him which I think was that was still during season 3b right Karen yeah yeah when that happens she like her kind of coyness she knows like she did it because she knows that he used to feel that way about her or possibly you know still intrinsically does in some way like it was not just like oh, I'll just kiss this random, like, he knew, she knew the yeah. effect it had, and she was almost kind of embarrassed by that, and, like, um, and so I found that really interesting, like, it's obviously underlying, but, yeah, the, the way that their relationship has grown without it really necessarily getting in the way, like, kind of everyone kind of knows that Styles like, liked her for ages, and, you know, she probably knew as well, and, and, and the fact that they've never been, like, well, this is awkward is kind of really nice like that they're kind of just being like yeah this is this is chill whatever you know we can just you know we can do this and that it's not actually 
you know, a form of tension, I guess. I, I like and, that. And how great was their interaction at the start of season four when they're going to confront, what are they called? The mafia. The Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Um, and they were just, their interaction was so great and they were so badass together. I love it. Yeah, it was really, yeah, when they were doing the whole, like, thing with Scott. Interrogation. Uh, like, yeah, I, I very yeah. much enjoyed them as partners in any in any way. And I just they worked so well that, together. Yeah, and I just like that initial crush is not, like, a form of drama, basically. Well, considering how far the show has come, if we were to get a storyline like this, like the season one Styles Lydia storyline from other characters in season four and five, it would seem so out of place just from how the show itself has grown and how much mature the storylines are and how more, you know, impactful they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Karen, yes, sorry. Was there anything else from, um, obviously, th- uh, but before you skip ahead to four, sorry, there was some pretty pretty big other stuff in season B- 3B, obviously. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's, let's switch gears uh, big time and talk about <laughs> Allison's death. Because uh-huh. um, this is obviously hugely impactful on Lydia, seeing as this was her best friend. Um, but the thing I want to point out here is that Lydia cares so deeply for her friends at this point. And, you know, obviously she had friends and she really cared about Jackson and she really cared about Allison, I think, even back in season one. But she always hid it so well. She always hid it behind sarcasm and that sort of like bitchy exterior. And come season 3B, she does not need to do that anymore. She feels confident enough in her emotions that she is very open and raw about her feelings. And I just, I'm getting like goosebumps talking about it. (laughs) But um, when, (laughs) when Allison is stabbed... And Lydia's in the tunnel, and she just screams her name. Oh my god! I know. <laughs> that, it, that 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 um like Allison's death was really sad, but like the worst part, and like this this show has never broken me more than just seeing Lydia's face and just hearing her scream her name. Like I just I can't even think about that. It was so that that broke me more than any moment in this show. It's so obvious as well, like, it was, what was really horrible is you kind of knew, like, when you're watching the episode, well, a lot of us kind of knew that Alison was going to die. Um, and, you knew it was coming, yeah. And knew it was coming, and then and she shows up there, and Lydia's like, why are you here? Like, as in she didn't actually want them Get to out. come after <laughs> her and stuff, and it was, like, you know, that it was a trap, and, and it was horrible, and, oh. yeah, and I, I imagine that she'll Very be carrying traumatic. that blame for a long time which is fun for her i suppose oh yeah i just can't ah. even imagine that you know just like the feelings you're feeling were because your best friend was going to die and then oh no too much it's too much yeah <laughs> yeah um and especially since i mean obviously we don't know exactly how her banshee powers work but she feels these things she knows when they're imminent and the fact that it ended up being her best friend has to be (sighs) 10 times as worse as anything else and i i just cannot imagine like i'm kind of sad we didn't get more of an insight into that but at the same time i'm kind of glad that we didn't because that would have been (laughs) even worse yeah, oh, Lydia in therapy, obviously. And she also obviously loses Aiden. And, I mean, again, this isn't Aiden's episode and we, she's not there when he dies. But, you know, their eventual uh, kind it. of 
reconciliation and and his kind of arc and his care about her was also very sad too. Yeah, that hit me. That episode, that season, well, that half of the season, should not have been allowed to be on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Natalie, do you remember when we were like physically ill after that one episode and we didn't oh. even want to record like? For the we week after that episode, episode, I was just, like, down. And then I remember listening to you guys and was just like, yeah, but at least I'm not the only one that got heavily depressed by this episode. <laughs> I remember, I remember, yeah, I remember us both being, like, l- literally, like, no joke, we don't want to record this episode. <laughs> and not can we just not, can fair, we just not recap this episode? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that was good. Um, thanks, Teen Wolf, for that. Um, that was really big of you. Can I just say one part in in the season three B that really the only part I've really been annoyed with Lydia is when um, she's getting really annoyed by not knowing what her powers are, and I'm pretty sure it is in that episode when Styles is in the machine and you can hear the clanking from the um, the MRI scan. MRI, that they have to yeah. Do, yeah. Um, and then so Lydia is subsequently hearing that noise just because of her banshee powers and she turns up the music in her car really loud to try and drown out that noise and that kind of annoyed me a bit because like a lot of stuff is going on right now and even though she doesn't understand her powers she still sort of needs to help out and she's sort of just ignoring it and that only happens in that episode but still that annoyed me a little bit but at least we got a change and that she really embraced her her powers and really wanted to figure out what what was going on I mean, finding out, like, it's, it's finding out that, you know, wow, your powers are, like, predicting dead people and you're going to be depressed forever because of it. It is my, kind of something that maybe you don't want to really deal with. And it kind of reminds yeah, me a little bit, because we have never made enough Buffy comparisons on this show, obviously. In season five of Buffy, when she has the meeting with the first Slayer and she basically hears, like, the prophecy, like, death is your gift, and it totally ends up meaning something different, but she's really messed up by it, like, by sort of facing up to it and accepting it and stuff like that. And so that kind of reminds me a little bit of that, or just in general, like, finding out that, wow, I am stuck with something that is really going to traumatise me forever, la, la, la. Maybe I could just not do that, you know? So I, I don't know it's, how it's I... It's not the very best superpower to get, is it? It's not very... No, it's not, it's not like she didn't, she didn't win the lottery there on the powers yeah. front, but, you know, at least she's not a lizard, so... <laughs> <laughs> My God. This is very true. Um, but, you know, that's good to point out in terms of her powers and in 3B she was still really struggling with that but I think in season 4 she really begins to actively go after learning about her family history learning about her powers and I mean I just keep thinking about like the um, the record player and how obsessed she was with yeah. listening to that over and over again until she could figure out what was going on with the benefactor and mm-hmm. that just goes to show you I think that she's finally accepting who she is and even though she doesn't always understand it she knows how important it is that she at mm-hmm. least tries do you remember how broken she looked in that scene, like with the record player? Like oh, it looked yeah, like she'd been there for days and just yeah. 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 And I think it was like Kira, wasn't it, that like lifted it off and kind of like took her away because she just yeah. she wouldn't leave on her own. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she does um in during season four, obviously it's a lot about her and her family and you know, her grandmother and her family history, um, which was all really, really cool to learn. 
but you know I do I do worry about her because you know her you know no matter if she's accepting her powers and trying to figure them out and stuff it does seem to sort of take a mental toll on her in a way that maybe Kira's or Scott's you know or anyone else's doesn't like it is much more mental than physical and it's obviously also quite traumatic so I feel like that she's going to have to find a way to balance the emotional strain of that if she actually wants to use her powers I guess um and become a bit I I guess you'd have to sort of become a bit like detached to death you'd have to become a bit like like a crime scene investigator and just be like whatever this doesn't matter to me not emotionally affected by any of this just gonna deal with it um and I don't know if I could see that necessarily happening for her Mm. I think that Perhaps that's why in season four she wasn't dealing with guys and she was relying more heavily on her friends because, I mean, who can deal with all of that and have a relationship at the same time, you know, Mm. and maybe even with somebody who has no idea what's going on in her life. I mean, it just, it seems impossible at this point. And I think that season four was very much her trying to accept what was going on and, and, like you were saying, come to terms with the fact that she's dealing with death every day. And, you know, for season one, Lydia, to not be worried about boys and to be concentrating on something else, it's just laughable, you know? But that's that's mm. how much she has grown over four seasons. Well, I mean, she hasn't really got much time to do, with, to do with boys. But, like, can I just say in, like, season four as well, I'm still not sure if I like that her grandmother was a banshee. Like, I, Why? I think... Oh, I just think I would have appreciated it more if, like, it was just by chance that she got these powers from being bitten by Peter, you know? Like, I, I would kind of appreciate it more if, like, not everyone in Beacon Hills has some kind of supernatural connection, like, or ancestry, you know? I mean, I still like it. It's still not, like, the worst thing in the world. Oh. But I think I would have liked it a bit better if it was just by chance that these powers came about from from Peter's bite. I suppose so. I mean, there's a couple of uh, takes on that. Like, you know, one obviously being the kind of reputation Beacon Hills has for drawing in people, like, who are, you know, a bit, mm, a bit, you know. But Lydia was here before bit, that. Like, Lydia was here before they set off the the big tree thing. What's it called? But the, even, be- um, even before then, Nemeton. you know, dude, yeah, yeah Nemeton. Even before then, like, dude, it's Beacon Hills. I know that was after the Nemeton, but that that quote but in general it it has it still ha- always has had a reputation um maybe from when the nematon was alive you know like and and growing and stuff like it's it's always had that reputation so there's that um yeah i do like that as well though and i like that there's, there's a little bit of explanation there's also the fact that yeah like I, I don't really know how it fits with peter biting her basically like because it's like was it always in her, but, like, it needed the touch of, like, another supernatural to activate? Like, did they do something to repress it in her that, like... Because, you know, how did her grandmothers come into play? Like, was she also... You know, did she also need to activate it? Would would Lydia's have come along anyway? Um, Was it, was it just that the Peter jump-started it, or did they do something to Lydia to stop her powers ever coming in that, you know, to save her from it or whatever, and then Peter, you know sort of surpassed that so we don't really know if peter's biting her was in any way related to the banshee powers basically i'm still really unclear well, on he's that he's saying it is he he is saying it is whether or not he's telling the truth is another story <laughs> peter telling the truth <laughs> oh that's true oh god i don't even know in that case and i'd really like to hear you know if people have theories or a timeline for lydia's banshee i guess because 
yeah, it does seem like you know his bite kickstarted weird stuff, you know, happening to her or hearing it. Like you know, it, it activated those particular chemicals in her blood or whatever. Um, but that is that isn't necessarily what happened to her grandmother. So maybe it would have come along when she was like thirty or something. You know, if if she hadn't like. Uh, had yeah, that. Right. Or, as they said, maybe it's like, you know, old fairy tales where they, like, get a magic witch to, <laughs> you know, repress the, you know, powers in a baby. Like, like in frickin' like Shrek. Frozen. Like Frozen. Uh, Shrek. Where, oh, <laughs> Shrek? Why? Oh, yeah, Shrek. She, that's right. It, but she, yeah, something like that. Something <laughs> in which the grandmother was like, being a banshee sucks. Let's make sure that doesn't happen to Lydia, if you know what well, I mean. Well, I haven't seen Frozen. So, I'd much rather talk about Shrek than Frozen. Okay, I don't want to talk about Frozen either. That's fine. Anyway, <laughs> you're getting the point of what I'm saying, I'm sure. Something that where they were like, let's stop Walk Lydia being a banshee um, to save her, and then Peter's bite overrode whatever that was. That's just a random theory that I've made up right now, so I don't know if that's <laughs> in any way accurate, but I'm curious. <laughs> The last thing I want to say about season four is just the fact that it basically came down to her to solve uh, a lot of the riddles that had to do with the benefactor. And what I love is that she's grown so much as a character, but she's never truly changed. They still rely on her intellect so, so much. And as somebody who is beautiful and popular um, but also intelligent and is also wrapped up in this whole thing and has this sort of crazy group of friends that are just all over the spectrum in a lot of different ways I think is so interesting and so unique I don't know if I know a lot of other characters who are as well-rounded I guess as Lydia is Mm. Yeah, I, I was really curious about, you know, obviously the benefactor, whole benefactor scenario was kind of a mess. Not a mess, but, like, it was, like, crazy, basically. It drove us insane. Uh, Up the wall. So, so, <laughs> remember that time, Karen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really liked it. And obviously the um, the key ended up being related to her, um, to Lydia herself and all of her interactions with Meredith and then the blame that she later put on herself with Meredith dying as well. Um, there was like a lot going on for her that wasn't any less traumatic than the previous season, really. So again, like I feel like that, you know, if, if stuff is going to rely on Lydia's banshee powers that she might have to get some sort of um, resilience, but it did particularly suck kind of because it was all her family and banshees and you know feeling that guy making her feel like that she killed Meredith and all of that stuff so yeah unpleasantness really um but it yeah it doesn't sort of shock me that she is kind of you know still the you know the scientist and the code breaker and all that stuff it kind of reminds me a little bit, Karen, of Bruce Banner. Because Bruce Banner has all of these powers he doesn't really <laughs> like that he has to use with the Avengers. But then a lot of the time you see him, like whether it's in fandom or little bits in the um in the in the movies as well, of them needing him as a scientist, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean. He's like, I'd rather help out doing this rather than hulking <laughs> out. Can I can I just do this? And can I can I be the tech guy or something? Um, as opposed to being the Hulk. And li- so Lydia is also Lydia is the Hulk, but she's also, you know, 
the tech guy, and I think that she'd probably rather just be the tech guy. I agree. Good analogy. If that is a good metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so season five. Um, we basically don't know a whole lot about season five, especially when it comes to Lydia. Uh, so, Jack, you can go first. What sort of things are you looking forward to seeing from Lydia in season five? I mean, what I love about, like, Lydia as, and her pals is I have no idea what to expect because I'm not, like, the only supernatural stuff I know is really is from Teen Wolf and I suppose Harry Potter to an extended terms of, like, mythical creatures. So I'm just really excited to see what they do with the Banshee and what sort of route they take on um, on her powers. I always find that interesting because I don't actively seek out spoilers for Teen Wolf. So I love being surprised every episode. And we do get a lot with Lydia, especially being one of the original cast. So I am very excited to see more. And in terms of that relationship, I mean, I want to see more friendship with her and Styles, not specifically romantic. Um, and I would say her and Parrish, but I want Parrish for myself and especially Ryan Parrish for myself. So... <laughs> You might have to fight, yeah. like, this entire podcast for him, just saying. Oh, I, I, I will oh, fight. I trust him. I will I put up a fight. <laughs> I miss him. When's he come, when, oh, when gosh, go follow him on Instagram. You'll get a treat. I think I do. I'm just, like, I'm talking about the, um, I just I just miss watching Parrish being adorable. But, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, given the fact that Parrish is fictional and you probably can't go into the world of Teen Wolf and claim him, would you actually like to see him and Lydia together? Like, do you like that? Yeah, I do. I do like their um, interaction and their relationship. So, I wouldn't, I even though I want him for myself, I wouldn't mind if Lydia is the next person to have him. <laughs> It's really big of you, Jack. <laughs> I'm such a great person, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're all sort of fans of, like, Teen Wolf polygamy here. You know, we were having that discussion oh with, like, God. Scott, oh Allison, and Isaac. So, you know, <laughs> it might work out in the end for everybody. Yeah. Oh, Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Natalie, um, what do you want to see from season five with Lydia? Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing the Lydia and Parrish relationship develop. Like, I wouldn't mind. I, I, I don't even, I can't even really have a good idea of how that would become, like, romance. It almost seems so much more than romance. Like, one thing that I think is really important to note about life in general that I've been thinking about, that I have only really been thinking about over the past few years as opposed to, like, my entire life, is that, like, for so long in media and stuff, and life, romance is seen as, like, the pinnacle kind of relationship that exists as, a, like, Boy. you know, it's like, oh, friendship, then romance or something like that, whereas there's all sorts of relationships that are actually, like, side by side with that in terms of importance as opposed to it being, like, a pyramid of achievement. And I feel like that what Lydia and Parrish have, while it is kind of really, like, really charged and stuff, I'm not really even thinking about it in terms of romance or not romance. I'm thinking about it in terms of, like, you know, could she be his, like, mentor in the world, you know, coming into the pack or and, – and, you know, I don't know how – I'm not – I don't have, like, a solid idea of, like, how that would picture, like, ooh, kissing, if you know what I mean. Like, I just have an idea of them having a relationship where, which has good dialogue and a relationship where – they have something of interest to each other. I, I'm not really putting that together in my head with how it would end up as romance. I can see it, but I don't necessarily think it would mean make their relationship like less important if it wasn't that, if that makes sense. And 
I really want to know how she's doing with the other girls, like with Kira and Malia, especially after obviously um, Alison dying. Like, you know, they they did sort of band together a bit in season four, but, you know, I don't know who, who you know, Lydia's closest friend is at this point. Like, it's possibly Styles, but but just after losing Alison and just everything like that, like, you know, whether there's going to be a lot of stuff of all of the girls together or, um, you know, which characters she will end up being close with. Um, and I'd really like to see her and Styles, both of them as humans, um, get some sort of weapons training. Like I, I would really like like either Scott or Kira or even like Deaton, useless Deaton uh, or the sheriff or something like that to be like, and I'm not talking about like, Oh yeah, teenagers, let's tote around guns. But I would like both of them to have like a signature self-defense thing that they learn. Not that they're like a major martial arts expert in like Kira and her, you know, Katana ended up being, but like, so that they're not the one hiding behind a garbage can, like, in a fight, if you know what I mean. Like, that they have something up their sleeves that they know how to use really well um, for terms of protection. And I know Styles has his baseball bat, but it's not that practical to, like, carry around at all times. <laughs> yes, it is. What are you talking about? Like, even if it's, like, a taser, even if Lydia ends up, like, get, getting, like, taser lessons from someone with one of those ones that fires out, like, the taser strings, or if it's, like, throwing stars or something if you know what I mean like that she could use um sufficiently not like expertly but sufficiently as a self-defense thing um and I think that it's high time that both her and Styles had that so yeah that is what I would do if I was in charge of these people and I had these like helpless useless humans that kept running into like places where they could get killed so funny side note um the guy who plays Deaton is on The Walking Dead and Mm -hmm. Kristen uh who's been on the podcast before and I we just refer to him as Deaton like I can't even remember his actual (laughs) name at this point uh on the show so we just call him yeah we just call him Deaton and um he's basically useless and annoying <laughs> there too and so we well, just like want he gives him like to un- die. unhelpful advice like yeah unhelpful it's just non-advice <laughs> it's a that's disaster. enough to try and get you to figure it out oh, <laughs> i yeah. think he'll die i think dean will be a character that would die eventually in teen wolf you mean in teen wolf yeah i don't watch the walking uh-huh. dead yeah um do people die a lot on the walking dead karen <laughs> Yes. You're like, so much. <laughs> so much. I was having, like, a heart attack during the finale. Like, my, my heart was pounding so bad. But that's another podcast altogether. Um, season five, what I would like to see, totally agree about Lydia and Parrish. I think the word charged is a really good one to use, Natalie, because the mm. first time they interact, I was like, whoa, I should yeah, not see this ship like, coming, yeah. but I am on board. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I really like the idea of Lydia helping Parrish figure out what he is. Um, I really hope they sort of stretch that out during season five, and there's a lot of scenes of them together. It doesn't have to be romantic, but um, I just like the way that he sort of looks up to her, and he's sort of mesmerized yeah. by her. It's, She's a psychic. Yeah, yeah. It's really <laughs> wonderful. Um, I know Brooke threw in Lady Friendships, which I think is another big one. I really want to see her and Kira become a lot closer. Uh, I think that would be really nice. And I totally agree. Didn't think about it before, Natalie, but um, we have heard that Lydia's going to be in the middle of the action a little bit more 
this season, and I didn't even think about it, but now I definitely want her and Styles to have, like, a signature weapon. That would be so cool, yeah. even if it was, like, a baton, like a nightstick or something, and she just, like, whacked people with it. Just something yeah, to give her that would a be little good, bit. Actually. Yeah, I you mean, think, like, like, something she could stretch out of her purse and, like, whack people with. <laughs> uh, I don't think either of them would be, like, a gun guy, like, no. you know, the Argents and stuff like that. No. Styles, maybe. I could see Styles firing a gun, but, but yeah, I feel like that they should have something that they can use competently, you know, if needed. Well, this and could be, carry. like, a crack theory, and I don't know much about um, Banshees, like I said, but, like, is... Could her power be something similar to um, Rogue from X-Men? How like, they touch people and then that will make them die? Like, because, you know, oh Lydia... Oh, my God, I don't think Lydia so. really wants that. Like, <laughs> she could, like, scream and it would knock them out or something. But, like... Oh, that'd be but cool. I, I was thinking about Rogue, actually, earlier. Um, I'm not going to lie, just a second ago, because there's that bit, obviously, in X-Men um, where Rogue chooses to get rid of her powers when they develop that thing that gets rid of powers, and there's that whole, like... Storm is all like, don't, you're perfect the way you are. And it's like, yeah, Storm, your power is awesome. Rogue's power, like, makes her hate herself. So let her get rid of it if she yeah. wants to. And I was yeah, wondering exactly. if Lydia would get rid of her powers if she wanted to. Like, I was actually no, literally think thinking so. about this earlier um, when we were talking just now. So I don't I think know. think she would really consider it. Like, I think she would heavily consider it. But I ultimately, I think she would choose not to give them up. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Because it just goes back to, like, her mentality. It's a bit more useful than... It's like how she's happy to show herself for who she is, you know, and proud of that. And it doesn't, like, suck as much as Rogue's does. Like, Rogue's, you know, if Rogue had, like, a bloodthirsty personality, she might be like, yeah, I'm touching people, they're dying, yeah, but, like, (laughs) she makes her hate herself. So, you know, Lydia's are a bit less like that. They're a a little bit more useful, even if they're traumatic. So, yeah. (laughs) And I think another big thing for Season 5 for me is just her getting better control over her powers in – us finally learning more about her powers because like we've been saying they're still really mysterious even though we've learned a whole bunch about her and her family but we don't know exactly how they work yet and that really bugs me I want some answers so hopefully they explore it a little bit more in season five and and she can like actively use them instead of just like oh hey I'm shown up here and there's a Mm -hmm. dead body I guess I should call someone yeah, and I mean, if this is going to be their senior year, I don't know how America works, but my impression is that this is like that. This is when they'd find out when they're going to go to uni, like college and stuff. And like, do you? That'd be like, so weird to see on Team Wolf, like all that stuff. It isn't like movie. because uh, just FYI, Jack and I are obviously both Australian. Here, at least, um, where where I live, that it's sort of done state by state a bit differently. You only find out your university placement literally after you graduate high school because you do the final exams at the very end of the year. You wait and you put in your submissions for where you want to get into if if you do well enough in those exams. You do the exams. They're all marked off. And then you then find out like a month later where you're getting in. So you might find out in like December. very stressful. You might find out in, like, December where you've got in and then you start in February, if you know what I mean, two months later. You don't know the whole year that you've got, like, a place at university uh, because a a lot of people, like, don't move across the country for it either. But um, I don't understand how they, like, let you into university without seeing how you do in your final year of high school. Like, I don't understand how that works, Karen. So, Um, (laughs) I mean, your final year of high school kind of doesn't matter in a lot of ways. (laughs) Oh, my God. Because – 
you take the SATs, which tell you, like, that's what a lot of schools look at, that score. And that's in 11th grade. Um, it can be an 11th or 12th. It kind of depends. And there are different tests that you can take for, like, different types of majors as well. Um, like, there's one specifically for math, I think. And, uh, God, I don't know. It's Anyway. It's been a long is, time. <laughs> the point is, it might be that they, you know, are making their plans at the beginning of senior year, if you know what I mean. They might know yes. what they're planning. So we don't know who in the group is actually planning to, like, put this whole crazy life aside and go and try and be normal. Lydia, you'd think, would actually, you know, really care about education, but we don't know where she's at at the moment with how important she thinks, like, you know, the life in Beacon Hills is and if she can just, like, walk out on that. So I think she's one of the people that would be the most, um, you know, possibly thinking about that. And Scott, I think. Like we've I seen think Scott and Lydia, well, I think Styles important. won't. I think Styles will be like, dude, we have to stay here and keep hitting monsters on the head with baseball bats, if you know what I mean. But And I think Scott would be like, I would like to be normal. And that Lydia would be like, I want to win a Fields medal, so let me into college, please. So I'd be interested to see if that's going to be discussed at all, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that wraps up our main discussion. Uh, on Twitter the other day, I put out a call for people to tell us why they loved Lydia. So I just want us to go through some of these tweets for uh, how people feel about her. Um, I'll do the first one. And this is from at Tapasio Regalado. I hope I said that right. And they Hello, say... She's a very honest person who confronts her problems full force. She's proven she can stand on her own two feet, and I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, Nat, you want to take the next one? Okay, yeah. So you have Howie's Stitches, which I don't even know what that's meant to mean, but <laughs> the username is um, Hurrah Safar, said she's fearlessly courageous and has evolved into an intelligent and caring character, which I think is also true. Yeah, should we go down, Jack? Do you want to do the next? Sure. So Stephanie Gardner, who is at Stephanie G underscore 1995, same year I was born. Haha. <laughs> she shows us you that you can You were born be... in 1995? <laughs> oh, my God. I want to kill myself. Oh, my God. Like, sorry, but oh, my God. Sorry yeah, you, we, Stephanie. We spoke about this on... We spoke about yeah. this on Glee Chat. I know. Jack's 10 years younger than me. I don't want to deal with it. So. <laughs> anyway. All right. So, yeah, Stephanie says, she shows us that you can be the girl that loves to shop and also loves math. Great role model for girls. Which, yeah, definitely. That's true. A lot of times when girls are smart or tough, they're like, oh, all that stuff. Like, femininity isn't cool, if you know what I mean. If just, you know, because it's like girls can only have one characteristic, you know, <laughs> you know, or something like that. So this is, this is very true. We laugh, <laughs> but that is true. Like in it's television, so true. it's so stereotypical and they're so one dimensional. Like you have your typical tough girl and she hates shopping and she's one of the guys. Whereas, you know, it's so great when somebody like Lydia comes along because she can hang with the guys and she can take care of monsters. But at the same time, she is very, feminine and intelligent and she so wants to you know wear really good shoes so yes yeah. oh god those shoes 
Um, okay, next one is from Shelby at Social Media, which very, very good handle. Uh, she says, Lydia stunned as the character not in the loop, but she shines as the character whose powers aren't just cool flips. Hashtag my queen. Um, very true about the powers just being cool flips. Oh, Derek Hale. But, um, yeah, I think that Lydia did a great job. I, I should say Holland Roden did a great job portraying mean girl Lydia Martin, but she does an excellent job, too, portraying the Lydia that we know now. She's a great actress yeah. and just a beautiful specimen. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, Jack. Um... <laughs> Yes. All right. So I'll do the last one here. Bren Hart, whose username is Scarlet Nerd Twenty Four, said she may not have she may not have super strength, but Lydia holds her own. She's intelligent and witty. Come, I think they mean her witty comebacks are perfection. Which, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for sharing the Twitter um, your thoughts on Twitter, and obviously you can share some more once this episode has come out, and you might have been inspired by our chat about Lydia. Yeah. Okay, should we do our... Uh... I'm really curious about this, Karen. <laughs> I'm really worried. I'm very curious. I'm very, like, anxious. So, all right. Okay, tell me why this is happening. Okay. What's it called again? I forgot. Non sequitur. Non yeah, sequitur. Yeah. Come on, don't you know your Latin, Karen? I don't do, learn Latin. actually. Um, I was in uh, Latin club, okay? I know Okay, that. well, anyway, don't let's carry on. Non sequitur okay. section. <laughs> Um, so my question is, what is your favorite Fallout Boy song? And the reason why I'm asking this is because, um, I mean, obviously I know who Fallout Boy is, but it wasn't until super recently that I became really obsessed with them because I have watched Big Hero 6 like five times oh, and, God. um, they play Immortals in that song or in that movie. And yeah. I really like that song, but that's not my favorite Fallout Boy song. My favorite Fallout Boy song is Centuries, um, which I could play on repeat, and I do <laughs> for like hours because. Oh, this is so weird. I love it. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, I have been a Fallout Boy fan for ten years, um, literally. And so this is a really hard question for me, Karen, uh, because, yeah, my history with Fall Out Boy is, is very much like since they were a little internet-based band and following Pete Wentz's secret blogs when he left little clues on forums about where to find them and seeing the lyrics from, you know, albums on his blog two years before they made them into an album and stuff like that. So my history with Fall Out Boy is very long and very personal. And so it's really, and, and obviously what I'm surprised, not in a bad way, but surprised that once they came back from their hiatus um, after being sort of on break for four or five years, that they, their sort of presence in the media has been like bigger than it ever was before they were on hiatus. Like they're really mainstream media. Like they are bigger than I ever expected that they would get, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's really weird basically. Um, so I have like one one degree separation with Fallout Boy. Like, it's very much part of, like, my old music circle. And I, as I said to Cam before we started, I have made a mixtape before of my 20 favourite Fallout Boy songs with ex explanations about why I like each <laughs> one. And that was, like, before their fourth album came out, So, and they have, like, six or seven now. So that's a really tough question for me, for me, Karen. You're asking a lot. 
from the new album, like the newest album, um, I really like um, The Kids Aren't Alright. But from Ever, I really love the, – there's a couple that I really love. One that was never released um, on an album called Lake Effect Kid, which if any listeners know that song, you are a old school slash underground internet Fallout Boy fan. And uh, one that's on the end of – I think it's on the end of – I think it's from the end of Infinity on High, which is um, – it's called I've Got All, All This Ringing in My Ears and None on My Fingers – um, sorry, Karen, I told you this was going to be, like, a really difficult answer for me. But basically, Fall Out Boy are one of my top three currently active favourite bands. I have some other favourite bands that are no longer alive. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that Karen likes them because that means that I'll be playing them a lot when I see her in July <laughs> and Yay. I make someone with a car drive us places. I will blast a lot of Fall Out Boy. Yay. But... But yeah, I am. I'm excited. That's good. And I still haven't seen Big Hero Six, but I did see when I saw them play um, last month when they came to Australia. They definitely played the clip from Big Hero Six when they were playing the song. So I've seen some of it at the Fallout Boy <laughs> show. <laughs> I think I've watched it enough for both of us, so it's okay. <laughs> but she hasn't seen the Lego Movie, everyone, and I'm really just oh, wow. like, yeah, because hey. I keep saying. Look, because I keep saying that the, the Green Arrow reminds me of, like, Oliver Queen reminds me of Lego Batman from the Lego movie, um, and she doesn't, like, understand, and I'm like, you need to watch the Lego movie, and then you'll understand why I can't watch Arrow, so, yeah, um, anyway, um, that's that's very, very good, and I, I, I'll watch Big Hero 6, for you and for that boy, I'll watch Big Hero Aww. 6, don't worry, I will, I just haven't yet. Jack, See, I Jack don't, I don't really answer. listen to Fall Out Boy. Well, I don't really listen to Fall Out Boy. I mean, only uh, song I can really recognize off the top of my head and, like, name off the top of my head is Thanks for the Memories, which is good. So instead, as an alternate answer, I'm going to say <laughs> Boom, 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 Boom by the Venga Boys. Oh, Jack, Jack. Jack and I are having a war at the moment over Boom, 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 Boom from the Venga Boys because <laughs> I did an article last week about the top 20 songs that Glee should have covered but never did. And Jack gave me 20 requests to go on this list, even though I had already filled 15 spots and was only looking for a couple of suggestions. And his number one choice was Boom, 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 Boom by the Venga Boys, which he thinks is the best. Oh, yeah, sorry. He thinks it's the best song ever written. (laughs) And I really don't. no I'm only half kidding. I'm only half kidding. Um, but I'm a- I realise I'm actually such a bitch because I went through your list, Natalie, and you actually had a lot of the songs I suggested. I'm just thinking. I had, like, <laughs> at least four, I think, that were yours. There were also stuff that I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's really good. Like, not just to humour you, if you know what I mean. And there were plenty more yeah. that almost made the cut. But, um, yeah, I, I have a story about Boom, 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 uh, which I told Jack, which was one time when I was about 12 and my brother was about eight, we were driving – that song had just come out, I guess, and we were singing it so much in a car in uh, when we were driving in Israel when we were visiting my family that my sister-in-law drove the car into a tree by accident. So, And Jack apparently got injured going too hard to that song on a dance floor one time, so that's a dangerous song, basically, yeah. to, uh, <laughs> to have yeah. as a favourite. It's really bad, guys, if you ever listen I to mean, it. I've still got the scar to prove it. It's on my elbow. Oh, my God. <laughs> You, how old were you when that song came out? When did you discover Boom, 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 Boom by the Venga Boys, Jack? Uh, I don't know. I just It's always been around. 
Because I remember that song literally coming out, unfortunately. It was in the 90s, and I was 95. Hang on, let's have a look. Boom, 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 oh, boom. Jesus. I mean, let's be real, because the most important song on that list is I Won't Say I'm In Love. From Did you Hercules. like that choice? Did you um, like that choice? Natalie, Sorry. I wanted to bow down at your feet. I was so glad that you put that in there. And the yeah. fact that Santana, like, I I hate Glee. Like, I actively hate Glee, and I don't yeah. watch it. <laughs> but um, Santana singing that, I cannot think of a better person. Yeah, I'm, oh a, I'm a queen. I know. I'm, this is the thing. This is why you don't need Jack's boom, 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 boom. Like, <laughs> oh, and, and I was like, because one of my first, I was like, I'll go the distance, might work. I was like, I was like, I'm not going to put, like, one of the really, like, like, you know, like a whole new world or whatever. I was like, I want a really good fit as opposed to the most famous Disney song. And one of my friends who isn't like involved in our hyperbole circle at all was like, um, oh, Her- Hercules, like um, she said, um, go the distance or I won't say I'm in love. And I'm like, that's it. That's the one. That's, that's, that's it. That's it. And the girl who actually, the girl who said that was the girl, let me bring this full circle, was the girl who, because she was a massive Andrew Sims fan, um, gave me the link like i didn't know what hyperbole was she gave me the the link to audition for glee chat so oh. that's actually quite a nice which Full is circle. why i actually picked her choice well not her, it's not only it was it, it was a nice moment for me that it was her her choice <laughs> but yeah so she's the reason that i'm on hyperbole at all and she's also the person who suggested i won't say i'm in love but i might have got there anyway because i was already thinking about hercules but yes i i know that that i nailed that choice i told donya and she was just like <laughs> oh yeah and i was like yeah i'm good <laughs> Sorry. I have, like, <laughs> skills that are no longer marketable in any, in any way now that Glee's <laughs> over, apparently. <laughs> same. Same. Yeah. Like, for real. Not even kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that that's it for the non-sequitur um, section. But I, uh, yeah, enjoyed that discussion about Fallout well, Boy. I'm sorry for my... question could be, what is your favourite ins- Venga Boy song? Um, that's a tough one, Jack. I'll get back to you. Uh, There's so many. Well, this song came out in 1998, so I, I would have been three years old. Wow, Jack. Wow. I that's I can't <laughs> talk to you anymore. Sorry, Karen. Let's let's move away from this subject. Um, do we have any anything else that we need to report? Any news from us or news from Teen Wolf World or anything like that? I. When's it coming back so. again? June 29th. Is that still confirmed? Yes. Because I thought they like took that. I think down. we have more information about the season then. I, mean, I don't know. Not necessarily. I remember going to season, God, what was it, 3A maybe or something? I felt like they were pretty late in getting it going. Um, mm. Or 3B, it was 3B. So, I don't know. It kind of depends. Well, I keep thinking that, like, Comic-Con or, like, you know, the the, the premiere, like, like the, the end of June slash start of July, which is having some big... I keep thinking that's, like, next month, and I'm like, no, it's, it's in four months. It's fine. Like, I keep thinking <laughs> that... Well, it's what it's 1st of April for me now, so May, June, July. Okay, it's three months. Like, whatever. But I keep thinking that it's much closer than it actually is, basically. So I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't think we need to know everything before it starts, but I literally have no idea what to expect. There's a lot of new characters, yeah. as usual. But every year we get like, oh, my God. But they die anyway, so it's okay. They die. Like, it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like, those bloody twin, like, those blood, that couple of the, the, the teenagers, you know. the Garrett and you know, Violet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I have questions about them. Um, <laughs> so I still am just like, Danny, what was their Danny deal? Danny better be coming back. 
Like Danny I don't know what circumstance is there, but is is he like a senior? Like is he even older than them? Like I don't I don't know where he would fit currently or what was going on, but yeah, I hope I suppose so. they never addressed it, so like he would yeah. still be there if they wanted. I mean, him. he's definitely in classes with Scott and stuff, but I yeah. don't know in America if they do like mixed classes for different like skill levels or if it's just the same grade in the same class. Um, if you're say really how smart. Upset I am. You could, oh, but usually it is, like, within your own class. Okay. What, Jack? Uh, can I just say how upset I am that Danny was not in last season and now we aren't getting coached in this season and Derek is not returning as a regular. It's just so upsetting to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I, I don't know how to help you there, but I'm sorry. <laughs> Bring them back, Natalie. What are you talking about? You know, these people have lives and, and stuff like that, so I don't know. Well, growing a crappy moustache. <laughs> that movie is directed <laughs> by the guy that like won i think he, he might not have won but he was nominated for did he win i think he might have won he won for boyhood for best director i believe so. and best picture he won at least one yeah that that movie is not going to be a small deal even if it's not as serious business as boyhood it, do you know who's starring in that movie Jack, with Tyler Heckler, the, who the lead character is? I know you guys have spoken about it, but I don't remember. It's Blake Jenner. Like, right. Oh, that's what you Blake. said that on Glee Chat. That's right. Yeah. Yes, I know, yeah. So, you know, maybe it'll be okay, but, you know, I miss Derek too. But he's not dead, and he's going to come back at some point lurking the teenagers in the bathroom and be like, <laughs> you know, surprise, bitch, I bet you thought you'd seen the last of me or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, all right. Story. Let's wrap this up before it goes <laughs> even further down the toilet. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Really. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, uh, yeah, that was basically everything. So I guess until next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. This is a game.